such a shame we have to tell all those little white lies. My name is Matthew Kroll. And translation is sacred. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Okja. Okja. That is right. New film from Bong Joon-ho. Something I'm very excited about. Have you seen many Bong Joon-ho films? Uh, just Snowpiercer, but also new film from Netflix. Yes, and and uh, controversially so, as it turns Arr? out at the, at the Cannes Film Festival. Now, someone could write in and tell me if I get the chronology of this incorrect, but as I understand it... Okay. This film was slated to play at Cannes, and sure. I think it was slated to play... Because at, at Cannes. It can, it can. Uh, it was slated to play in competition, but then was removed from competition when distributors got upset at the fact that a Netflix film could be in competition. And and I think distributors are upset at this idea that a film that they would want to put in theaters sure. would also be simultaneously available on Netflix because that entirely undercuts their business. Oh man, someone's mad because someone found a better way to do a thing and is making money off it? That's so... Just unique in a problem. <laughs> well, it. I mean, yeah, I agree with you because I. I'm happy, but the, you know, I'm happy to watch this on the small screen. But uh, our I think screens are pretty big. Our here. screens are pretty big. Let's we both not, have projectors yeah. in our living room, so we can watch this on a big screen. So it's not that big a deal. And in fact, I think both uh, Bong Joon Ho and uh, Bong Joon Ho has come out and said you should watch this in a theater. Sure, but it's not playing. Well, then, well, then how is that going to How is that going to work? <laughs> no, but you can't. You can't. It was playing in theaters. Oh, it was playing in theaters simultaneously. But then the thing is, not many distributors wanted to play it because. Because they're like, why would I play this movie that's available on Netflix at the at the same time? Right, because then it's taking up screen uh, yeah. real estate. And, blah, and then blah, it gets blah. into this bigger question of like, well, if Cannes isn't going to award it uh, awards because of its distribution method, what what is Cannes awarding then? Like, what why do they give awards out? Are they giving awards out because of films? Like, if if this was the best film that played at sure, Cannes, but it sure. was not, couldn't be eligible for awards because it was on Netflix. What does that say about the Cannes? Awards, and I think it opens it up. It makes them pretty shitty. Yeah, it opens up a couple of interesting questions. Uh, I mean, obviously, the 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 whole uh, film festival awards thing is a big machine. Yeah, you know what though? That's that's the thing. It's not an interesting question you hear mm -hmm. because anyone who pays more than two seconds of fleeting attention to any of these things knows exactly why they all exist. What do you mean, the film festival? Film festivals in general. I mean, now granted, there like everything, like the things in Okja, which we will get to. Uh, there's good and bad in all of this, and the the good obviously is uh, a young filmmaker, upstart people can bring their films to festivals. It will get seen, perhaps even sold, and then their career is off to the races, and that's great. Uh, the the darker side of festivals is. Nine times out of ten, it's all literally marketing, and it doesn't really matter one way or the other because the the piper will get paid at the end of the day. I always love there's a statistic for the amount of films that uh, get uh, submitted for the Sundance sh uh, Short Film Festival is is always actually more than a human being or an entire team of human beings could watch in a year. And so the question is, like, how do they actually review these films money 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 yeah it does I, and i have money. uh i have uh definitely witnessed the value of having a name attached to your film in terms of how it uh propels your film to the top of a list <laughs> that would otherwise uh you know like for no reason be it would no reason be there yeah uh i've definitely seen that happen when did that happen uh, I can't say. <laughs> you can't you can say? I can say. You yeah. could can't say. No, it wasn't the Cannes Film Festival, but I can't, uh, I can't. So uh, you can't say. I can't but if say. it was Cannes, you could, you can't, you can't Is it the Cannes or the can? Who the fuck The Cannes Film Festival. I don't even care because honestly, <laughs> look, I am then, all about 
<laughs> platforms for new movies. Yeah. You know what's a platform for new movies? Netflix. Netflix. So chill the fuck out festivals. Well, but this is interesting, though, because I've been watching a few Netflix originals in the last couple of weeks. And I tweeted out about this. Uh, I, it just got me thinking. I watched uh, two two or three documentaries. I watched uh, Give Me the Hit of uh, Give Me Roger Stone. OK. And Nobody Speak. Uh, and then Okja, obviously. Sure. And the thing that I got thinking about was, can a distribution company have a political identity? Can they not? Can they not have a political identity? Yeah. Uh, I think we're learning through a lot of, if you want to call what's going on politics right now, uh, that everything and everything everything and everyone is political at the end of the day, because there's always, I don't want to get too. No, (laughs) I think this is interesting. This doesn't sound, and this isn't meant to sound conspiratorial, but there's always another puppet master. There's always someone in charge of the person who's in charge. I guess, I guess what I'm saying is that we know that directors, for example, have interests that they are, you know, that they pursue that we know that, that, you know, Steven Spielberg is going to be always about these kinds of films. He's only going to make these kinds of films. Christopher Nolan's only going to make these kinds of films. You know, and we've we've talked a lot about A24 this year. I think it's interesting to note that Netflix itself as a distribution platform seems to have, in my opinion, just judging by those three films I watched this year, a, a fairly left-leaning political identity. Sure. Maybe, and it may be also the case that this year, every network has a response to our, uh, our current political situation. When's the last time you saw a really, really, really well-made right-leaning film? Yeah. I mean, there was the, who's that Dennis, uh, Salza, I forget his name, but he made, uh, you know, and he's a terrible filmmaker, but he made the, the film about the Obama conspiracies or something. Sure. That was, sure. That was like number one in that circle for a little while. There's, I, I, but, there's but, just something, and I just, you know, let's get political. Let's fucking yeah. do this before we start talking about the industrial meat industry um look if all of the artists and scientists are on a particular side that's really the side that i'd like to be on and not all the majority like and so so when you look to the other side of the aisle Mm -hmm. uh and you don't have many of welcome to all our republican listeners well i mean (laughs) and and actually well this can transition beautifully into contacting us because i would love to uh, especially when in in conjunction with maybe something that brings up with Okja uh, or, or anything like that, let's keep it sort of movie related. Uh, that's or uh, not just talk about whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just well, movie stuff it. will get us on the thing at onlymoviepodcast at gmail um, Because I and that's the other thing too. I would like. Yeah, this is what I want you here. I would write like any of our Republican listeners to or anybody to send us uh, the names of right leaning films that they consider excellent. It's it, you know what's interesting is I think uh, I would love to see one. I'm not but, I'm not but, being but, but, but pedantic. For exa- but for example, um, rep- uh, I would argue that films like Transformers, for for example, speak well to Republican listeners. No, I speak- said a, I said a good a good film. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like those are big movies. They're not I like, say, I didn't say big. I said well-made and good. Okay. So there is a difference. Uh, Transformers. I, let's say, I mean, I'm, I would, I would, uh, bank that. Uh, you are right though. I think it, Transformers would probably, speak, you know, I, I'm sure like a lot of big, bullshy, you know, uh, Michael Bay ish, you know, f- you, know I, you could argue films like by, uh, by Peter Berg this year. Um, you know, the, the yeah, the, you know, uh, American sniper, I'm, not American sniper. That's Clint Eastwood. Clint, oh, yeah, American sniper. American would be a film that would speak really well I thought of uh, for whatever reason I know it's the the trifecta of 
Wahlberg. Uh, oh, uh, any movie Mark Wahlberg's in, maybe. Well, um, what was the Patriots Day one? Patriots the, Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the oil one. No, the oil one Deepwater was not. Deepwater, Deepwater Horizon, Horizon painted a, uh, a fairly. So a friend of mine has a really good theory about this. He said, you know, because there's always this thing about liberal Hollywood elites and and you know like the left leaning media and all that. Sort of <laughs> sure. Stuff. And his argument is is that the the thing about being a lefty or being being in the arts means you have to have empathy because you have to like, you know, like if you're going to make a film about another topic, you sure. have to empathize and, and put yourself in those shoes in order to make the most effective film. Yep. And he believes that inherently that is the foundational thing that makes you slightly left-leaning. That's entirely and, possible. As opposed to conservatively leaning. Much like uh, facts drive science. Yeah. Uh, and you sort of have to build an ideology around facts until they are proven otherwise and whatnot. Uh, and, and facts sometimes, uh, whether they're good, bad, or ugly, uh, if you believe in them, which you probably should, uh, then they're going to point you in a specific direction, no matter what your leaning is. But then, you know, like it's interesting. I've had conversations with a uh, faith believing scientist, for example. Uh, oh, you can have faith and still believe in science. I'm not yeah. talking about that. In fact, I honestly think that there's a bit actually we can get into again in Okja that sort of speaks to that slightly. Yeah. Uh, it's just, uh, it's, they're not mutually exclusive. Just like nothing, nothing is mutually exclusive. The, the less we put ourselves into bins, the, the Beyonce better. Beyonce and Jay-Z are mutually exclusive at this point. You'd be surprised. <laughs> I mean, they've made albums about, you know, like about, about not being mutually, <laughs> mutually exclusive, exclusive, but you know, like solidifying the relationship at this sure. point. And you know what drives that? <laughs> money maybe i don't know i was gonna say pure love she or you're jaded man i need to crack a beer we're 10 minutes in this is awful uh jesus well t- so so people can contact us at only at gmail.com hit us up on twitter at only movie pod or go to our facebook page the only movie the only podcast about movies to write us in and the before we get into Okja, i think we've got to we've got to oh, address yes. some elephants in the room speaking there's a ton of email and twitter elephants that we've been trying to deal with for the past couple weeks and we forgot so apologies to all of you lovely listeners. Well, I don't think we forgot as much as we kind of decided we're going to bundle them all up into this episode, right? Like, I mean, we 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 had we had Movie Bob on last week, and we yep. didn't want we didn't want to go through like twenty no. minutes of email with no. Movie Bob on the he, on the he show. He ain't got time for that. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so yeah. so uh, it seems like it comes at night. Baby Driver, all hot topics on, on, polarizing. The, uh, on the message board. So so hit it, Matt. Why you want to go first? Yeah. So let's see. I'm going to pull up uh good old oh Jacob. Here we go. Jacob, good friend of the show. He has. Uh, let's see. He apologizes Jacob. for being MIA. Yeah, always chimes in. We're very yep. happy to have you on. He chi- in fact, uh, I'm going to do some of the Facebook hits, and uh, Jacob's in that as well. So here we go. He says he absolutely loved It Comes at Night. Uh, he thought it worked great in every aspect and can't fault a single thing, which uh, I feel falls more into your categories here. He okay. goes further into, says, Matt, I have to completely disagree with you on the grave, but not showing whatever they were looking at. You you complained that both the boy and the dog see something in the woods, and we as an audience never get to see it. I think showing anything physical on screen would be completely detrimental to the film as a whole. Uh, I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes on. It says a couple. It's a very things. long email. Yeah, we, yeah, so by I'm, the way, truncating. Jacob, we, yeah. we do appreciate these. Yeah, emails. and we read them all. I just we're not going to read because we have like nine emails to go through. But uh, I, I I hope I was. Uh, I guess I wasn't clear. I didn't want that film to show me a big bad monster in the woods. I didn't want it to become like, uh, uh, you know, uh, evil of the week or anything sort of like that. I'm just saying that a lot of the a lot of the the direction the film was throwing you was was saying like was was pointing you in that direction. And maybe that was a little bit of the marketing and maybe that was a little bit of something else. But uh, they they seem to put such a, a presence, uh, such an importance on 
them seeing a thing. I don't need to see the thing. I just need to know that they actually saw a thing. Right. <laughs> that, that makes sense. <laughs> so I don't need a giant tendril monster. I just uh, wanted a little more. Uh, they could stay ambiguous. I just needed the characters. I needed it to feel like the characters knew that they saw a thing. Okay. Regardless. Um, as far as the rules and the key, uh, we always go back to the key with me. Uh, <laughs> he goes, here's my take. Those rules they set up, those aren't the rules for the movie. Those are personal rules for the family within the movie. It's what the family should follow, but not the movie. It's very reasonable for the audience to come to the conclusion that Travis sleepwalks, uh, shot the dog, and he brought it back into the house. Uh, he's a teenager. He would be able to easily take the key while his father's sleeping and blah, blah, blah. We, so we, we continue on about that. Uh, I think we covered that, our, our sort of things very clearly. I'm glad, uh, Jacob, that it worked for you. Um, I just, uh, like I even said in the, in the episode, uh, I think a little bit of editing in that scene could have saved me a, a, a long way, uh, from on a personal side. But again, I, I don't want to, uh, I just, I, I, I like it when movies work for people. Well, it's funny cause on the other side of this, there's an email from friend of the show, Will Timfer. That is right. Which is, uh, who was infuriated, uh, <laughs> by the ending of the film. Yes. He, uh, says, Will says, well, uh, I certainly agree with both of you for different aspects. The film shot beautifully. He liked a lot of stuff, but the third act let him down completely. Uh, he blames the marketing a lot of this because uh, okay. the movie is very de uh, deceptive. The two main posters depict the character standing in front of the red door and the other one of a dog looking out into the dark field. Uh, right off the bat, we're led to believe that there is something more sinister than man in the woods. I completely agree with that, and I think maybe uh, our, our opinions were tainted by the advertising. Right. Uh, and again, that's not... This is the interesting things about, about these sort of... Uh, discussions that's not the filmmaker's fault right uh you make a deal to make a movie that then makes a deal with a advertising agency and they go at it the best way they think is possible and and someone watched this movie and thought you know what we can sell this as a horror flick mm -hmm. and that's what they did and, that, um, and yeah, so and of course, as we know, I don't tend to watch those trailers i just yeah kind of, i knew that the so in this case you win in that regard um uh, we also had uh, CJ on uh, Facebook chime in on this with, uh, again, Shahir, I agree with everything you said, Vibe on Krisha. Uh, it was his best film of 2016. Everyone in emails has said that, by the way. No matter who goes down the line, it's either I need to see Krisha or Krisha is wonderful. Yeah, it is. Uh, and then Matt, get over the key, which I think you actually retorted to him quite well. Uh, he said, uh, I think, Matt, you replied with, uh, yeah, I, I, I would have if, if the movie had. Or no, the, I I would so you you. Oh, what was it? What was the actual quote? It was so I was so proud of my smug, stupid self. Right, right. It was something uh, about like, it was like uh, I need to get over the key, just like the movie did, or something. Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was beautiful. Go check out our our Twitter feed on that if you really want the deep dive. <laughs> you're, that. you're calling your quote beautiful, but it, no, because it was, <laughs> uh, and it was a great sort of conversation. Because then we all laughed about it at the end, and it was very fun. Uh, one thing in terms of the marketing of it comes at night. Uh, there was a release of the DVD cover uh, for the film. Uh, that came out yesterday. Matt, I want to show you this and just see what you think. Okay, about everyone this. look this up. Uh, this is the the proposed DVD cover for It Comes at Night. I mean, it's bad compositionally. Yeah. Uh, but it's more honest. It's a more honest representation of what the movie is about. But then then I wonder, uh, and look it up so, for yourselves. So, okay. Well, just so just so people can describe it, it's a photo of Joel Edgerton holding a gun out towards the camera. Like or low. Like low, like he's pointing at it. But it appears like he's protecting Riley Coe and and uh, and Baby. Yeah, it's completely deceptive as to what happens in the movie. But then again, so was the original advertising. So... But doesn't... I mean, the thing that kind of irks me about this is the erasure of his 
actual family who happened to be African Americans. Oh, yeah. And what about that? What about that? You know, and this this tra- this image makes it look like this is his family. Uh, it's almost as if someone heard some complaints and then swung way too far to the other side. I don't know what the thinking is, but uh, but it's uh, this is a movie that I think will be written in the ages for uh, for potentially. Uh, a, a, a good abject listen in marketing, in film marketing. I remember there was a movie, a Catherine. Oh, yeah, well, sorry, and I think that's very true because even Jacob said in his screening there were some kids that were being loud and ruling. He actually told them to shut up, and they did, which is always a wonderful feeling. And then uh, he said how afterward, everyone, like people in the audience, were like, "Fuck, that movie was awful. That ending sucked. I want my money back." And uh, like that's apparently a thing that's happening, <laughs> which is which I do honestly think is half the marketing's problem. Well, it's I mean, yeah, it's the the classic the you know i think the the case of the person suing uh dr- the producers of drive for like misselling that movie uh i think it's an interesting case to hear out because i'm because because to me it like it 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 bears out the question is how responsible is marketing for selling you the correct thing i think it's resp- only responsible when it comes to something that you're putting on or in your body like as far as like a food item or or, but, but, or but, but for example for example parents uh, have a reasonable right to, of expectation to understand that if they're going to take their kid to see finding sure, that's Nemo, different that's a content thing not yeah. a style thing no but I, but, it, but that is a content question like she was expecting it to be the fast and the furious and it was dry this is what i think uh buyer beware to a certain point in the sense that whenever I'm buying anything of any substantial monetary value, I research it at least a little bit. Okay. Uh, And that's something that I just feel like any responsible human being slash consumer should do. If you just go blindly out, then guess what? You get to go blindly out and that's a great sort of choice. And when you choose to do it, that's wonderful, but you can't complain. I hate drive. I hate drive. (laughs) I would never ask for my money back from drive. Right. I'm just, I'm, I'm again, I think it's an interesting legal question. Yeah. As to as to what I the- think people are crybabies. <laughs> uh, there's another email. Uh, speaking of babies, baby driver email from our friend Stephen Buja. He mm-hmm. says, "Hey guys, love the conversation about Edgar Wright. Had a thought about why the music may not have hit as hard in Baby or." why the music may not have hit as hard in baby driver as it did for in guardians uh the music itself he said uh the very few songs in baby driver are woven in uh and into the deep pop culture fabric whereas you have like elio and uh fleetwood mac and cat stevens which are certifiable certifiable hits in guardians i think a lot of emotional resonance comes from one's previous experiences with those songs just a thought hope you're all well um Yes. Yeah, I guess I'm curious to see what uh, what Stevens' reaction to the songs in Baby Driver was. I think my thing was uh, the they 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 hit in two different directions. One is that uh, I didn't know the songs in um, Baby Driver. There was a young MC track in Baby Driver that I thought really really landed. But I'll tell you, um, I've been listening to that fucking bell bottom song. Yeah, uh, a lot. Yeah, and it's working. Yeah, it's yeah, wonderful. Do you do, does it remind you of the film, or do you, do you like the song on its own? Both. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious as to where Stephen landed on on that whole thing. I, I think we went back and forth on a bunch of episodes sure. about this. Um, the, the difference for me is a food analogy because I always go back. Uh, is so in Baby Driver, the music is the meat or potatoes or soy or whatever the main the main piece of your dish. And in Guardians, it is, in my opinion, mm-hmm. the perfect spice for whatever you're eating, in the sense that it would be good. 
otherwise, I'm not saying Baby Driver wouldn't be good without it. It would just be something completely different. Like it's so interwoven in what the film is doing. Whereas you could change out Never Break the Chain to a different song about family or something. Not that Never Break the Chain is about that, but like you could change it out and it might still have the same emotional resonance depending on how the film was built. And I think I think my argument here is that whether the the music is integral to the way the film is cut. And it's odd because well, in, Baby Baby Driver, Driver, yes. in Baby Driver, that's what it is. But, but I still felt like uh, very few of those mo- those songs landed in a way that like had me kind of on the edge of my seat kind of thing. And, but you know, uh, uh, it, it seems to be working for a lot of people and, and more proud to it. I, I live on Twitter as well. People, uh, one of our Twitter, Bane Creek, uh, has been calling out, um, just problems with, with baby driver. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing that people are like really responding to that movie saying, yeah, I love it. I love it. But then when they actually go deep into it, they're like, oh, well this didn't actually work. And it has, it has a lot to do with the third act. Um, I, think and, it worked. I mean, I just, you know, and, but the thing is here is, you know, again, I think I said this on the episode and I think, uh, you know, I'll say it again here which is that hey, say it again I, here. I don't, you know, like it, the, we're, we're speaking margins of like one or two points. If we were, if we were scoring <laughs> this, it's not like, it's not like we're like, I'm saying that this is a, a four out of 10 and Matt saying it's an eight out of 10. It's like one or two degrees. Sure, difference. Sure, it's sure, still sure. an excellent film. Yeah. Um, so well worth checking out. Um, you got another tweet. Got another tweet. Uh, I feel like this is our mailbag episode. I know, it was our mailbag episode so far. Uh, again, another shout out to Kreisha. We had the, I think the actual actress from Kreisha retweet us a couple no. of times. Yeah, which is For nice. real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aww, which is nice. That's uh, sweet. We'd love to have you on the show. Yeah, come on on. <laughs> um, uh, Jacob again tweeting us, uh, just catching up on all episodes. You should absolutely do an episode on Stoker. Brilliant film, very underseen. I absolutely agree. Uh, that's another Park Chan-wook film that we should do. We're going to have to figure out uh, time time uh, displacement apparatus because Shahir and I, we were even discussing today some other podcast business and holy shit guys, not to sound like assholes, but uh, we're very busy. Shahir has a son. I have a crippling video game addiction and a lot, <laughs> and a lot of work to do uh, in on the various nonsense TV shows I make. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 we live a block from each other at and this we point. Still, and we still, and it's so hard to get it. But, but I will living, say it's, t- it's 20 to midnight right now. Yeah. This is the only time we could actually get together. And, but but here's the thing. And I, and I, now I'm going to get mushy. Uh, we both, I think, and I'm going to speak for Shear on this. He can cancel me if I'm wrong. But we both really love doing this. I hate doing it. And uh, <laughs> Shahir hates thing. it. Uh, <laughs> but I really love it. And I'm so thankful for all of these emails. We're going to finish it up and actually talk about Oakja in a moment. But I'm so thankful for all these emails, tweets, Facebook conversations you guys have with us. Because there's nothing I love more, uh, with the exception maybe of Overwatch, than discussing film with people. <laughs> and uh, you guys are an awesome community, and I really appreciate uh, sort of the dialogue we have back and forth. And I love it when when Shahir and I's polarizing. Uh, we, we find things. we find people that are on both sides. Yes, yeah. which is interesting. Which leads us to believe, at least leads <laughs> me to believe, that no one is right. Uh, <laughs> Although we'd like to each believe that we are individually correct all the time. All the time. Um, another uh, tweet, uh, Facebook for a message from Baby Driver again, just on that music thing. Uh, absolutely adored. Uh, baby driver not a single thing i can say bad about it and it's the ultimate definition of what i consider to be fun which being good
good plays no part in. In fact, I feel like the worse a movie is, the more fun it becomes. Who is this? Uh, this is Jacob. Oh, okay. <laughs> gotcha. A lot of these emails are from one Listen, I love. Jacob. I love that Jacob keeps talking. Keep yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. sending shit, man. Uh, that's why movies like The Room, uh, Thanks Killing, Troll Hunter, etc. even exist. They're so bad that they're fun to watch. And I responded to this. Uh, I appreciate the, the sentiment. I don't think that Baby Driver falls into the so bad. Oh, yeah, I disagree, movie. too. I completely disagree with that. <laughs> but uh, we probably do for different reasons. Yeah, I think, all I think what, what he's trying to say is that um, is that uh, the barometer of good shouldn't be included in the in the discussion of fun, which is something that we were talking about, which is I think that uh, something should be fun and good. Um, and I think Baby Driver was both things. So yeah. I, I actually uh. think I think Baby Driver was both things as well. Um, but yeah, let's keep that conversation going because I think if you boil down every hundred, what are we at? 112 this episodes? This is 111. 111 episodes yeah. we've done. I think that's the overall thesis of this entire podcast is what is fun and what is good? And why do you hate it? Yeah, yeah. What, no, what, what is fun? What is good? Where is the Venn diagram between those two things that we'd like to oh, live you're, in? You're being serious and I'm telling a joke. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on. And to be fair, it's a bad joke. Uh, it's but, a great joke. I'm yeah. having really fun doing it and it explains why I mean, you if you have it. to reiterate it, I I mean, just it's did. obviously a good joke. And I know. So <laughs> it's a great joke. Uh, best joke. Gareth writes us in. Gareth, uh, first of all, kudos to your name sounding so similar to Jareth from the Labyrinth. Um, first of all, uh, he says, I haven't listened uh yet to the alien episode or your name um oh so so Gar- i'll just i'll just back this up a little bit sure you're, you're coming in at the end of the chain here uh gareth wrote in uh wanting us to review both interstellar uh, he wanted us to review some christopher nolan films in, in anticipation that's right, of that's dunkirk right. and also he wanted us to get into animated films because gareth is an animator which yes. is uh uh as indicated by the lovely icon that he sends uh with his emails uh-huh. um and he he had this great quote here uh and this is a really good reason why I do want to do some more animated films. Though I did point out that we had just done your name. Uh, I watched Tangled on the weekend. The more I think about it, the more I realize that it doesn't. It's not necessarily for adults or kids. Uh, we have to admit to ourselves that animated movies are not just for kids. There are a ton of great ones out there that are hilarious, engaging, satisfying to me as an adult. Um, and besides, on the topic of maturity, because he was like, "Do you guys not review uh, animated films because you guys are too mature for it?" He goes, "But on the topic of maturity, you guys review superhero movies and Swiss Army Man." So. Did Lego Batman, <laughs> and we did Lego Batman, and we did uh, your name, but but he did. Are those he, the only two animated movies we've done? I believe so. At, at this point, some of these superhero movies are like ninety percent animated huh, at this point. So you don't say. Um, uh, well, Garrett, listen, I would love to do animated. Uh, I would love to do animated films. If, oh, side note, Tangled has been on my like need to watch list for a very long time. I've heard nothing but wonderful things about it. Like it's just like brand new and already forgotten Disney classic. He he mentioned some things about because he's an animator. He he animate. He talks about the way the animation is a horse, but also a puppy dog and a non yeah. no nonsense sassy human. It's an amazing that the animation kind of encapsulates all that into one character. Gareth, I want to give you a little bit of homework. Friends of the show, uh, James Portnow does extra credits on YouTube, but they have a side thing with um, Daniel, who is the narrator of and co-creator of extra credits. They have a thing called extra frames and they do, it's mostly video game animation, mm-hmm. but they do wonderful, just uh, beautiful uh, sort of breakdowns of why various animations work. Uh, and Garrett, if you haven't seen that, check out Extra Frames on YouTube. It's 
uh, it's a master class in certain things about like why animation works and pulls at certain emotions. Uh, he would like us to review Zootopia and Done. Nemo. Done. Um, uh, Nemo. I think everything that's been said about Nemo has already been said. It's uh, it's, it's a wonderful film. Um, but uh, he's also he wants to take you to task on your opinion of The Martian. Uh, oh yeah. Wait. So hold on. Can we talk about this? Yes. <laughs> so so he's calling me out for calling The Martian Oscar bait, and I guess I did that on the alien which alien one? covenant episode. okay uh, i don't remember doing that i don't disagree I, with I, the I, statement actually, i think it was one of our uh our guests was it that francesca or patrick might have called it oscar and i agree and, and you agreed with it uh but again that I, I again i don't have a problem with oscar bait if it's doing other things other than being oscar bait right and i feel like the martian did uh, i have no i have no problem with the martian but remember how we were trying to defend the martian to francesca and patrick go back and listen to the alien because they hated that movie because they hated it and then they almost swayed me because i remember really liking it but then i've never had a desire to watch the martian again now right. that's not to say it's a bad movie but it's a single serving movie and therefore i don't know how passionate i want to be to defend it to people that don't like it right but but even if it's a single, I mean, there's lots of movies that you only watch once in your life, right? Because but I would so say, many. but I would be like, I, I, I would, if some of those, I'd be like, oh man, you got us. Everyone has to see this. I would not say, oh, everyone has to see the Martian. It was fun. And I had a good time watching it, but I, I would never feel pressured. If someone was like, should I watch the Martian? I'd be like, yeah, it was good. Yeah. I think I, I agree. I'm, I'm in the same camp on that. And I think my point of view came from like, where it is, where does it fit on the, uh, on the Ridley Scott oeuvre? Um, and I, that word again. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. Fair enough. Uh, I think we do at some point need to revisit this term Oscar bait because, uh, we need we to do an Oscar bait episode. Yeah. Because I think we need to define the parameters of the way you use that term. Um, fine. But, um, at some point, but at any rate, uh, Gareth, uh, uh, was not a fan of the way you may have characterized the Martian. And so we're going to issue you an apology here. I, 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 <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, I think that uh, oh, maybe there's a bit of an apology because the more I think about it, if we're going to, and I don't want to, we, we could spend the entire episode talking about what is or isn't Oscar bait. <laughs> the Martian has a lot of qualities of Oscar bait, but I do think a quintessential uh, core of a film that is Oscar bait is the drive behind choices that it made in its production. I think that the uh, the Martian was not driven by those choices. Again, this is purely subjective. Like, this is subjective. No, 9, people 000. are listening in. They want to know your, your opinion on, the, well, on that, Oscar Bates. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I think the Martian checks a lot of the boxes, but it doesn't do it on purpose. Let's just end it with that. So okay. I'm sorry, the Martian, and uh, I'm sorry. Gareth. I, yes, Gareth. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you know what? I, if you were the go if you were the Goblin King, you would have made me say sorry way earlier. Um, all right, that's a reference I don't get, but I'm feeling like you're sorry. Labyrinth, sorry, you son of a bitch. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, moving on. Okja, we finally made it. We no, did. no, we got one more email. Oh, we do? Yeah. Oh, well, it's my favorite one. Okay, which one's that? This is from Jerry. I want to read it in its entirety. Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, ready? Oh, yes, yeah, you know. yes, yes, yes. Ready? Yes. Ready? Yeah. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Camille and your guest, quote, Bob, question mark, are way too cynical and picky in your review. As opposed to the saying, grow up, I'd say grow down a little and just try to have some fun and appreciate what an awesome superhero movie this is. You sound like dicks. It's not, it is not <laughs> Fellini. It's for kids, as you presumably once were. Regards, and I love the sign off, Buddha head. Ah, uh, uh, Jerry. I mean, um, so um, 
I, I, so this is Camille signing in here. It's, it's your bitchy boy, Camille. It's your boy, Camille. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah. First of all, I mean, uh, we can get. To I, th- be- I think this person's doing a disservice to to your argument about like, oh, it's just a movie for kids. Like this. Well, is- I think he's also doing a disservice, uh, possibly to not taking the time. If you're going to write us an email, and I love that you did, but uh, getting names right and and questioning names that like. I just love that there's a question mark after Bob. Uh, I mean, uh, all of our names are in the show graphic. <laughs> I, so- who knows? Who knows? Uh, I, I attribute it like getting Camille to Shahir. Getting from Shahir to Camille is kind of a strange. Wait, could I be Camille? Kroll? Kroll? No, because you you were you're oh, not I was, you, you're right. You're, you're right. not cynical and picky about. Uh, and, and it's not picky, by the way. The word is pricky. <laughs> cynical oh, and pricky. I your- watered it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I PG thirteen did. Um, Camille, let's talk, because we mentioned about It's your boy Camille. It's your boy Camille. We're Uh, all a little Camille. Yeah, we're all a little Camille. Uh, Camille. Kamazel. Camille. Hassan Pfeffer Incorporated. What's his name? Camille Nunjananli, who's from Silicon Valley, who's doing the big sick. Yes. Maybe he's referring to him. Yeah. Because we're all, we all know each other. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know him. I do, because I'm Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Race joke. I uh, gotcha. No, no, I don't, I don't think Jerry was making an, an inadvertent race joke there or anything like that. Uh, one thing you know about being brown, however, is that, uh, and with an ethnic name, is that everyone's going to get it wrong at some point. Um, uh, I would say grow down a little and try to have some fun and appreciate what is an awesome superhero movie this is. Um, I think in that, to, to, you're already adding a qualifier to the to the word movie, and I think maybe the reason I'm kind of saying mm, it's an okay movie is I don't want to qualify it by saying it's an it's a great superhero movie, but it's an okay movie. I think we should just review them as movies. We're the only podcast about movies, not the only podcast about superhero movies. If only that uh, were true. No, I'm kidding. I don't yeah. even want to do that. Um, and and uh, you know, I want to bring up uh, a uh, a tweet from Matt uh, Stoller Sites, who's the uh, critic over at. Slate, I believe, or something like that. Do what you want. Um, who talked about uh, that that face you make when somebody tells you they love movies but only cares about Star Wars superhero and Quentin Tarantino. Uh, and I think what he's talking about is, is that there's such a breadth of movies outside of that. And if you really are passionate about movies, then you will go and try to find everything outside of that. And you will not be discriminatory against genres that you may or may not be. If, if you truly love the medium. And, and I think you know, um, my response to that, to, to, to your question is, is that I want my kid to watch good movies. I don't want them to watch good superhero movies. I want them to watch good movies full stop. And I think, I think this is where, so I agree with some of his sentiment, just not tone. Right. Um, and I think uh, like it's, it, it's, it is part the marketing is for kids, but I think in Spider-Man homecoming, particularly is uh, thing, it's it's more of a um i think what works on the adult level even if it didn't work for some people like uh shahir you and bob completely uh is that it hits on a nostalgic level and it doesn't do this nostalgia cheaply as a lot of sort of nostalgia does but it reminds you of the experiences you had as a kid which i don't think you'll get the same emotional resonance of if you actually are a kid you'll get a different emotional resonance so i think it works on two different levels so i do i do honestly believe that this spider-man homecoming is not just for kids superhero movies are not just for kids yeah and i, um, I agree they shouldn't just be for kids i just i that's yeah. that's finding dory isn't just for kids even though it's marketed that way like there's there's things 
things for, and it, it kind of goes back to our previous uh, thing uh, to Gareth's email about animation and it being, you know, kids movies or what whatnot or adult movies. Uh, so, so yeah, I don't know. I just think I, I just think, um, I just think Camille, I think you just need to relax a little bit. Yeah. Just relax about, uh, but thank you, Jerry. Thank you. Everyone who wrote in, write us in some more only movie podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter at only movie pod. Send us all this stuff. Also, I just want to say one last thing. And I promise in the next five minutes, we will get to Okja. We might have to put a time, a time stamp to tell people when that starts. Um, Shahir and I, with our very extensive just free time, uh, I would like to put out uh, an ask of sort of what other sort of if we had the time, if we had all the time in the world, what other content would you guys like to see from us? We've talked about doing short form YouTube stuff. We've talked about doing sort of deep dives into specific um, uh, terminology. Hell, we just almost pitched an idea of doing a podcast about the term Oscar bait. Like <laughs> so, like if there's anything in particular, even beyond like review this movie or this type of movie if you'd like to see us do more like different type of stuff please send us suggestions we'd love to hear them and uh if we ever get some free damn time uh we yeah. would love to try so, to do so you're it. saying we uh, we'd love the suggestions we can't guarantee we'll do them yeah <laughs> well until until the until that beautiful day when we feel comfortable enough to start a patreon or do something weird uh then yeah and maybe that'll eventually they'll become tears of that sort of thing. But we're, we're a little ways off from that. All right. Okja. Okja. Uh, I feel like we've done the movie disservice already by taking 30 minutes to do other things because uh, this well, is a movie deserving of a long conversation. Sure. Uh, that, uh, you know, but, but the thing is you've just watched it as well. Yes. You literally just watched it, like finished it 10, 15 minutes ago. And IMDB Well, now at 45 minutes ago after yeah. that conversation, IMDB uh, coins the plot of Okja as meet Miha. Or Mija or Miha? Mija. Uh, I think it's Miha. Mija. Mija? Yeah, Mija. Mija. Yeah. Meet Mija, a young girl who risks everything to prevent a powerful multinational company from kidnapping her best friend, the a fascinating animal named Okja. That is a, that's a, I mean, it's not wrong, but that's actually a really badly written. It's very, I, I hate, I hate whenever it's something like, meet so-and-so. Yeah. They're a thing that does the stuff in things. And you're but, like, but it was Ugh. like a fascinating animal named Okja. That's so weird. Oh, that's fascinating. A, a fascinating animal. I feel like this is Mr. Data reading uh, <laughs> awful uh, plot synopsis from 90s uh, rom-coms. Okay, so Bong Joon-ho, you've seen Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer, baby. Uh, have you seen any of his other films? Have Fun seen- fact, Snowpiercer, only film I own uh, uh, as a uh, as a digital-only buy from iTunes. Oh, really? <laughs> it was on Netflix for a while as well. I know. <laughs> um, uh, I love Bong Joon-ho. The only film of his I haven't seen is Barking Dogs and Don't never bite which i think was his first movie memories of murder oh, that reminds me of a really bad dad joke okay my dad used to tell a joke he's like it's like there's so two people walk by is like and one of them has a dog and he goes oh is that your dog yes no sorry he goes oh uh does your dog bite and the other guy goes no my dog doesn't bite and he goes to pet him and the dog bites him he's like i thought I, you said your dog doesn't bite he's like that's not my dog <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, uh, Barking Dogs Don't Bite is uh, is uh, his first movie, which I haven't seen. Uh, other than that, uh, Memories of Murder, I think, is his absolute masterpiece. It is uh, it's the it's one of the only Blu-rays I bought from Korea, like on a specific order. It cost me ninety dollars. Uh, you know, like I just had to own this movie. I, I owned it on DVD, and then I had to own it on Blu-ray. I absolutely adore this film. I think it's one of the finest genre uh serial killer films that's ever been made it's up there with seven and zodiac um but you get it 
there right because it wasn't his dog. I, I, it was it was the oh yeah. You I, see, I was, yeah, there's okay. the joke. Okay, I get okay, it. I get good. It. I'm glad. I got no, it. no. Uh, this <laughs> you you own the you own the Blu-ray. I own the Blu-ray. It's absolutely wonderful. If you haven't seen Memories of Murder, go out and seek it out. Mother is a film uh, that's in the same elk. Not a film I love as much, but very very good. Tell your children not to walk my way. <laughs> Why is that? Tell your children not to hear my words, what they mean, what they say, mother. No, come on. Jesus okay. Christ. No, no, moving on. Mother. No, all right. Okay, moving on. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, he runs into his his breakthrough hit in Korea, uh, The Host. Have you seen The Host? No. I think you would, I would l- probably love, love The Host. The Host is available on Netflix right now. Um, Quentin Tarantino and many people have compared uh, Bong Joon-ho to Spielberg in his prime, uh, and with The Host being um, uh, a comparison to Jaws, um, which comes up a lot. And I would say I think the comparison uh, of Okja to E.T. comes up a lot as well. Huh. Um, I The thing is, I don't want to necessarily compare Bong Joon-ho to Spielberg, though I would say certainly if it, there are lots of qualities that make Bong Joon-ho great that remind me of what makes Spielberg so great, which is that he is a filmmaker that is able to play in a very visual effects-driven world, but he does it with an artful eye and a real strong... He never loses his sense of character. Sure. Um, he is a filmmaker that that knows uh, how to make uh, characters interesting within that world, and I and you know like the, the the reason why Jaws is a great movie isn't because of the shark. We all know that we don't see the shark very often. The reason Jaws is great is because of its characters. Uh, I think we mentioned this on the Jurassic Park episode. The reason why the visual effects in Jurassic, Jurassic Park, World, no Jurassic Park, well in the Jurassic World episode we we're talking about Jurassic Park. Copy why Jurassic Park works so well is the performances around all the dinosaurs are interesting and unique, and the characters are without you know are are, are totally. Um, fascinating if I'm going to use a word from the IMDb synopsis of this movie <laughs> and I think it's something true of of um, Okja as well that's one uh, big pile of shit not Okja uh, yeah that, that's yeah 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 Jurassic Park I got that one I got that one see if a movie <laughs> you reference, understood, you understood yeah, that reference yeah yeah if it's a movie reference I'm with, I'm with you on board so I am a see big, that I just did a movie reference about movie references what'd you say I understood that reference. Oh, Avengers. Come on, stick with it. Okay. Let's go. Movie references that I care about. Um, Bong Joon-ho, absolute wonderful filmmaker. Um, without peer, I think one of the finest uh, working filmmakers of, in his class right now. Um, so I was absolutely, you know, like, and the fact that this movie was coming on Netflix. So what, ha- so just a quick uh, summarization of what happened with Snowpiercer. What had happened was. What had happened was Snowpiercer was a huge hit in Korea and Korea as we know, uh, is one of the few film industries that does that that doesn't require American imports to survive. Korea is the cinematic equivalent of the honey badger. Punching above its weight? I think that's a little condescending. No, it doesn't give a fuck. It doesn't give a fuck. Okay, maybe. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, it makes a shit ton of money um, within within uh, Korea. And um, what had happened was they want uh, Harvey Weinstein, famous uh, Harvey Scissorhands, bought Snowpiercer for American <laughs> distribution and wanted to lop off 20 minutes at the end because he didn't think American audiences would get it. Uh, when Bong Joon-ho kind of said no, 
I don't think you should do that. This movie, this movie's already a hit in Korea and in France, and it's kind of weird to sell an American audience a different version of this movie that's essentially watered down. Uh, apparently, Harvey Weinstein kind of went, okay, fine, and didn't do a big distribution release on that. So although that film is superb and did get a release uncut, uh, it's not a very widely seen film. No, but that's one of those movies, you know what I love about it is you go up to a, a, a general person or a friend and you like trying to think of a movie to watch that night. And if you suggest Snowpiercer, they'll be like, oh, what's that? Like, they've never heard of it. And right. then you could show it to them. And it's this thing that becomes like one of their sort of like favorite genre films. Yeah. And like, that's a great feeling from a from a if if you're known as the movie guy or gal and you're a sort of circle of friends yeah. and then you can just pull out Snowpiercer out of your butt like no one's ever heard of it. Yeah. And then people think you're real smart. Uh, it's just I mean, it's, got, it's a movie with Chris Evans. I know. You know, it's Captain America himself is in it. Yeah. So I just I always like that. But you love that movie, right? Oh, it's great. It's, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, it's really well executed. And it's so weird. You know, that's the thing. It's such a weird, weird concept for a movie. It's based on a graphic novel. Uh, and if it, you think about it too long, it does not make sense. It but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. It completely makes sense. And it's completely emotionally resonant yep. as well. Mm-hmm. So Okja, um, uh, basically a movie about a giant super pig. And so a corporation led by Tilda Swinton. Side note, can we just talk? Oh, now we're going to get into spoilers because we're already sort of through it. This is a minor spoiler. But why does Tilda Swinton always have to play twins? Which other movie did she play? Uh, she, uh, in, uh, what's it called? Hollywood. No, the, the murder one. Hollywood Land. Not Hollywood Land. That's old as shit. That's Ben Affleck's film. Uh, the one that uh, was just recently about the murder in Hollywood in the 1950s and Josh Brolin was in it. Oh, uh, Hail Caesar? Hail Caesar. Oh, she was twins yeah. in that. And there's one other film I can't place it, but she's been playing twins a lot. Oh, yeah. No. Anyway, um, yeah, she is the head of this multinational corporation called uh, Mojo. Mo- Mo- Mirando. Mirando. Yeah. And uh, they decide that they have a solution for the world's hunger uh, problems and consumption problems because standardized cattle is not only if they mass market it, it would destroy the planet and blah, blah, blah. So the movie, the film opens with this sort of like bullshit, like very uh, corporate campaign sort of thing to other corporations investing about how they found this beautiful pig in the friggin jungle somewhere. It's like a mutated pig. And then they like able were able to breed it. And then they sent it to 26 different countries to see where it would thrive the best. And then like it was basically this whole thing was a PR stunt and they were collecting the pigs back. They'd already been, uh, you know, manufacturing their own pigs and they're just basically going to use them. Uh, to make cheap meat for the planet. Now, uh, and Oak Joe is one of those uh, who yeah, was sent in the care of uh, Miha as a, a and her grandfather. Yeah, in Korea. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about some moral stuff, real quick. Okay, that's I, I was going to get into like what you thought of the movie, but well, it's it all ties in. I okay. was going to say that. So you look at this pitch from this obviously PR driven woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, for her corporation. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's funny because this film and its weird evil corporation were more be- it was more believable in its but we're doing good for the world message than real corporations can that seem to have been in real life lately. And by that I mean they want these pigs. It, the bottom line is they want to make money, of course, because yeah. it's a corporation. That's what they want to do. That's what everything does. We touched on that in the beginning of the episode. But they're like, this animal uh, leaves a smaller carbon footprint. There's not as much, uh, you know, you know, in, uh, you know, uh, waste product. And it can feed like 20 times that of a normal pig. Mm-hmm. Therefore, 
if you buy it from us, we can solve the world's hunger issues. Mm -hmm. So it's this weird sort of like, here's some, here's a bunch of good fixes and we're going to gloss over the bad. Don't think about what what are the bad. Well, the bad is uh, sort of what the meat industry is currently, which yeah. is in real life, which is just uh, the, the 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 demand for beef and chicken and et cetera is so great that they have these gigantic breeding farms and slaughterhouses and the animals well-being and, and life and livelihood, not livelihood. <laughs> they're, not, they're not they're not making money. They're not buying property. Uh, the, the, their existence is just uh, a sea of misery. Do you, Are you vegetarian? No. Neither am I. No. <laughs> um, but but I have been, I guess, not toying with vegetarianism, but my wife is vegetarian. Yep. And so we go for fairly long stints in my house without having meat. Sure. I, I grew up eating meat, so I like, I enjoy a steak. I don't think now. there's anything wrong with eating meat. Um, but, but, but I think what the film is playing around the question of is if you knew that your meat had a personality would that change your mind about eating it? A hundred percent. And here's, here's the thing. And I'm not saying, cause uh, I'm not saying, well, Oh God, this gets weirdly into psychology, but personality and animals, you can't really put at least an existing animals personality, a hundred percent on animals. And I understand that there are different behavioral patterns of animals, depending on the type of species that we're talking about. But uh, I do believe, and this is coming from a pet owner, I own a cat, uh, a lot of your animal's personality, all you're doing is taking data, uh, you're, you're literally taking um, data points and presi- you're taking anthrop- precedent and and pasting your own your, self or yourself, uh, you you're know, anthropomorphizing project- yeah, the film. You're projecting the an, an, an element of yourself onto a set of patterns of an animal. Yeah. So, so. This so, is the question of like, would a dog eat you after you die? Of course. Yeah. And the answer is dogs are different. Yeah. Like all dogs are different. All dogs go to heaven. Um, so movie podcast. So <laughs> the, the, the point is, because I was watching this and Okja as a character was crazy smart and I'm not talking about like crows figuring out puzzles to get mm-hmm. their meat or octopuses figuring themselves way out of like getting out of weird like mazes in jars. I'm talking about uh, Mija falls off a cliff at one point and Okja chases her down and knows to put its paw on a rope to save her and then problem solves to get pull the rope over to not only. So this is a complicated physics issue. Get her around a log, fall off the cliff himself or herself because she knows that she she won't be hurt that will then flip uh, Misha back up onto the cliff and be fine. So yeah, you know what? I would have problems eating that. Right. But that doesn't exist in real life. And this is the, this is the really interesting thing about this movie because it, it, it pulls at your heartstrings in a ton of different directions. And you know that Okja is an, as an allegory for the way the actual meat industrial complex works. What threw me was how smart and 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 borderline human esque Okja's personality was and mm-hmm. its facial expressions and the animation. Shout out Gareth. Uh, that it it made it more of a human presence than an animal presence. And while that does tug at your heartstrings or my heartstrings in particular about like oh my god it has feelings oh my god like uh, you can't do this to Okja you can't do this at the same time doing that makes me lose the allegorical sense of 
this is an allegory for the way horrible things happen in real life because now we're so separated from real life. Would you eat a cat? If I was starving, yes. Okay. Would you eat your cat? Um, yeah, but I only say that because and Zoe, <laughs> sitting in the room right Zoe's now. Zoe's sitting right here. She's like, what? <laughs> I only say that because I know she would eat me if I was dead or dying and vice versa. Okay. And there's a mutual and, and this is not I'm not being funny. This yeah. is literally why. Right. Uh I, I, I would I, I love animals. Yeah. I a hundred percent love them and, and I would never hurt an animal that I that is a domesticated thing that's in the charge or care of someone. Right. Um Zoe I, is, I, I, is a wonderful pet. Yeah. I do want and 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 as much as I and this is a weird thing to say, as much as I would love to believe that there is some deep connection that we have, and 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 it all depends on what your definition of deep connection is. Yeah. Um the logical person in me is like, no, this is a series of habits and it's mutually beneficial and we're both enjoying it. So if you know what, if I want to fantasize that, I think Zoe really enjoys uh, watching agent Carter because that's the only TV show she's ever actually sat on my lap and watched start to finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Then I'll believe that because it's mutually beneficial for my entertainment. I guess what I'm saying is I think it's a really the, the film by its very nature. And what's, what's what, what I love about this film is it doesn't, it, it, touches on all these subjects without feeling preachy about it. It doesn't feel like it's, it's talking one way about vegetarianism. It doesn't feel like it's talking one way about the meat industry. Oh, you know what it, yeah. it, it, it feels like it's, you know, Hold like, on, I got to yell at my cat. Zoe, <laughs> scratching, she's scratching the couch. <laughs> uh, it, it feels, it feels like it's, it's getting into those issues without having to like, without being preachy about those issues. And it do doesn't know, feel like an issue film. And it do feels, you know why? At the heart of it, it is a chase movie that just really works. Why do you think it doesn't feel preachy? And I have an answer for it, but I'm curious why you think it doesn't feel preachy. I feel, I think, think because it's smart about the complexity of the issue. Sure. And it is smart about the complexity of the issue through uh, making the opposing forces. So Misha is sort of like our character that is running through and getting pushed and pulled through the story. She's 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 lost at sea. She's all of us, sort of whatever. The other group led by, um, oh man, I, I can't believe I told this one. No, 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 no. The good guys, the quote, good guys. Oh, the ALF, uh, the <laughs> yeah, ALF, uh, played uh, by, by Paul Dano Paul and Dano, Stephen thank Yeun. You. And I, just made me want to watch youth again. Yeah. Um, they are an animal activist group that eventually once uh, the corporation steals Okja back from, or actually takes, they're not stealing, they own Okja. Yeah. Uh, they uh, rescue her and put a tracker, like a camera on her to like, so then when she goes back to the slaughterhouse, they can prove all the atrocities that, that the corporation is doing and then they can blow this whole thing open and, and it's this weird sort of like you know, occupy activism sort mm-hmm. of thing and you can totally tell, so both sides of this problem the activists and the corporation are entirely flawed because, and, and that's what I think makes this film not preachy because you can see the mistakes that everyone is making. Yeah. Yeah. And because, because the, the animal liberation front is not treated as though they're the most righteous group in the world. They're, in fact, they're a little dumb and crazy as is the corporation. The only pure hearted person in this film is Miha yeah. and Okja, which I think is the core center of this film. Yeah. And I think that's why it feels not preachy about that. Because everyone is making mistakes. Everyone is kind of being stupid other than those. And two. and the 
this is what I, I, I don't think the film is actually really about vegetarianism. I don't think it's about the meat industry. I think what it's really about is, is the way in which corporatism and capital, you know, like corporate identity is very different from corporate reality. And, and that's essentially what the ALF are trying to expose at some point is that, you know, they, that is that this company, Miranda wants to put on this happy face, happy pigs, you know, like super pigs. It's all fun and games. They've got this sort of, um, uh, crocodile hunter figure played, played, I have to say, and I have to say this, I love Jake Gyllenhaal, but I don't know what he was doing in this movie. And I, this is the one part of the movie that just really didn't work it for was me. It's fine. Was A Jake lot of people Gyllenhaal. have been saying that. Uh, Bob in his review said that as well. Yeah. Uh, it, it just, I just think it, it didn't bother me. I, I like that he was trying to go in a different direction from what he usually does, but I just don't think like, and it's something that Tilda Swinton has done in both Snowpiercer and this film is she can do like that sort of slightly crazy, bigger than life performance. And I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal, his performance is that, but for some reason it just doesn't quite work for me. It feels like it, it feels like an affectation as opposed to, as opposed to him really doing it. Uh, um, I, don't, I think, I think for the character and this just, we don't have to go on this too long, but I think for the character itself, I like, I, think, I like the character. No, no, no. But I'm saying the, the machinations that he portrays and, and chooses to do, I think work very well for the character. And I think it's very like, and it would only work for me for a character like that. Right. I just, I think they're, there's a line that he seems to cross where his performance feels like a performance. Um, sure. But there's also a giant CG super pig. So I don't, which, I mean, which is entirely believable, but I, I believe the super pig just as much as I believe Jake Jono. Okay. I, I, I don't buy the, Jake the, 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 the entire sort of world or, or the main characters in the world outside of Mija, uh, even her grandfather's a little bit like kind of like a little bit old man wacky. Like yeah, it's yeah. just everyone's a little and I, bit and wacky. And I think I, Jake Gyllenhaal is the one that doesn't quite land for me. But at any rate, I think I think the film is basically showing that there is a a real there is a there is a corporate face. There is the the. Uh, the Coca-Cola, we're all happy, you know, like sunshine yep. we're on our roller skates and that's what it's about. But then there's a reality to it, which is brown sugar water and brown sugar water at the detriment of the environment, at the detriment of people. And, it's a pity and, we have to tell all these little white lies. Yeah, it's a pity we have to tell all these little white lies. And that's and I think what the film is really about is that is that the the distinction between. Uh, real life and 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 what we present uh, in front of the world. And I think because the complexity of it even comes to the point, which is that Okja, uh, Miha herself and her grandfather are meat eaters. They eat chicken, they eat fish, you know, like the, and they have chicken and fish within their yards uh, that they that they take care of, that they eventually kill and eat. Yeah. So it, there's a complexity to all of that, which I think the film doesn't shy away from, but is really kind of like opened up for you to interpret. And, and I, you know, like if both of us talk about, we're both meat eaters that, that have an affection for animals. And if we saw, um, someone being absolutely cruel to an animal in front of us, we would jump up and do something about it. Yeah, right. I'm sure yeah, if yeah. we saw a dog in a car, in a parking lot, you know, like lift in a window, we would be aghast at the owner, but, but we buy, I've never smashed a window for that situation. <laughs> never, but you would. I uh, know. I'm just, I'm just saying straight up. I would, I've never done that. Okay. Um, but, or you have, I've never done that here. I don't know why you keep bringing it up. Okay. Well, you're doing that. I thing. Uh, I don't even know. This is an audio medium. I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, but, but 
if you know we 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 seem to have a blind spot you know respectively for the fact that most of the meat that we eat uh is probably raised with some degree of cruelty in it yes uh, and, and, and to be honest for me personally it's not a blind spot i try very hard to not eat garbage meat uh, yeah. from what i've understood again this is the hard part mm. though because yeah i'm trying yeah i'm also uh, you never fully a hundred percent. No, let's go with uh Chipotle. Okay, right, I yeah. eat Chipotle from time to time, and the whole thing on their sign says like the animals are raised and da 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 da. And you know what? I want to believe it. Yeah. Uh, but the 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 difficulty and the cost yeah. of actually doing that. That's rough. I mean, I, they, I buy I buy eggs that that say on the box, you know, like uh, cage free, free, cage free, free, free range. Well, eggs. free range mm-hmm. is an interesting. So again, this all goes back to corporate advertising and whatnot, because free range as a as a term, and I think I forget if the FDA does this or if someone else does this. It doesn't mean like oh they're in a chicken yard. Yeah, it means their coop, their individual coop, I believe, yeah. is two feet big. Right, <laughs> as so, opposed yeah, yeah. to one foot. Exactly. Thing. That's what I'm saying is that we we all I think all willingly have a blind spot. No, I mean, even, even if we acknowledge that it's there, we're all willing to kind of accept it in, in, in lieu of hunger. And if it's not animals, it's something else. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers cause I do this exact same thing. I just think it's important to realize from time to time that if you are living a comfortable life, you are doing it off the backs of other beings. Yeah. Uh, and that is yeah, the, yeah. the case of it. Uh, Louis CK has a great bit about that. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so this movie, I, I, I do agree. I think, I think that, well, let's put it this way. I think it does all those things. I think your point is the one it does the best. Yeah. And the, when it does on the uh, most consistently on multiple levels throughout there, there's something and I'll touch on it a little bit more at the end where the meaning or the feeling you get from this movie changes drastically based on how deep you look into what's going on. Okay. Uh, uh, well before, okay. Yeah. So let, I mean, that's kind of like our going to be our wrapping up. Yeah. Point, yeah which I is guess. why I didn't want to get, it. um, I think this movie is beautifully executed. I just, Bong Joon-ho is just such a, such a great filmmaker. I can't help but gush over everything he does in this film. Just like little details where, um, for example, I love that every character has uh, seemingly a life outside of the scene that they're in. Yep. Um, you the rights group has like they're like the two guys even, in the background. Like one yeah. of them refuses to eat anything because he like <laughs> believes that every corporate like. like and there's just a beautiful and there's a beautiful payoff to that when he's like handed a piece of meat and he almost throws up at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you realize that they're in love with each other as well. You know, yeah. like that they have like some kind of relationship. Yeah, because he goes back and saves on the other guy. Uh, I love as well, but even even like lesser characters like the truck driver who's driving Okja, who like decides you know like. Who, when they he get attacked, give a shit. Yeah, when they're attacked by terrorists, he's like, "Fuck it, I don't have workers' comp for this. I don't give a shit." You know, and like the yeah. other guy's like, "Well, how about having some loyalty for the company?" He's like, "You guys are fucked. I don't yeah, care." Yeah, yeah. And he it's, goes in the news and says, "You're fucked." Yeah, it's just you know, like every single character, even um, Jin, uh, yeah, you know, uh, um, uh, Giancarlo Esposito from uh, from Breaking Bad, and do the right thing, by the way. Um, you know, just like the way in which he knows that he is playing both these people over, and he, you know, uh, Tilda Swinton's yep. character. And he walks over to like make her a coffee while she's having this breakdown and hands it to her. It's just these like little touches. Even the woman who's like manning the door that uh, that Mia has oh, to break. Oh, the receptionist. Yeah, that has to break through. I just love all that. I also love like his sense of um, action is based on minutia. 
you know, like little details. And, and this is where, you know, Spielberg's famous, um, you see the water ripple in the cup before you see the, the T-Rex comes into play. I love the fact that like the way in which Miha breaks down that door. And I don't think she does this intentionally. She like slams into it and it reverberates for like another 10 seconds until it, until it actually like bursts, right. you know, like, um, I love that, that, um, the, uh, when, when the animal liberation front get attacked, um, uh, downstairs in the shopping mall, there you know darts thrown at them. They open up these like beautiful rainbow colored balloons, and it's umbrellas. Just a, uh, uh, yeah, umbrellas. Yeah, it's just a beautiful scene, and it's it's mirrored by Miha looking at uh, Paul Dano's character pulling out um, a piece of glass from Okja's foot, which mirrors something she did earlier. He's just got a real sense of how to keep how to keep character focused within those scenes, and he also makes sure that all the characters that are not audience ciphers or emotional driven or dr- like purely emotional sort of fodder and feed. Uh, he makes sure that all characters are, are answerable to their actions and flawed. So for instance, uh, Glenn from walking Stephen dead, Stephen dead. Uh, basically <laughs> they're in, uh, the truck and they laid out the entire plan, uh, for, for to uh, uh, Misha to how they're going to put the camera on Okja and then they're going to be able to release it. And then they're going to rescue blah, blah, blah. And she says, I just want to go back to the mountains with Okja. And then it's like, he, she agrees. And then that was your quote. Translation is sacred. And then he comes back later and has that tattooed on his head. Like this, it's just, it's a wonderful, it's, it's, it's sort of a wonderful sort of nod to that. But, um, it's, it also like he, he lied to get the, to get his shit across just, I mean, at a smaller scale, but just like Tilda Swinton's characters lying to get her shit across like mm. everyone is at fault other than Mija and Okja in this movie and it's and everyone everyone uh well a lot of the characters have uh have to answer for their lies yeah. and answer for their shit and and I just you know like I just think he this is that that thing you know like we're I think this movie is a ton of fun. I absolutely adored it. I think the realization of Okja was wonderful. Like every time Okja was on screen at the, there's this opening scene with Okja, like walking through the forest. It's like with 15 me. minutes. Yeah. And I, I just think that this is wonderful Felt writing. Like jungle book. It, it was wonderful writing and wonderful filmmaking and wonderful execution. I was just in love with this character. I was in love with this time. And I was like, I couldn't care less if the film just stayed here for two hours, you know, kind of just their daily adventures. It was sure. so good. Um, that the film kind of goes on beyond that is just sort of icing on the cake. Yeah. Um, and it's a smart movie as well. I think it's, I think this is a good case study for a film being fun without having to be dumb. You know, like it is a smart, well-played and it's not trying to like over, it's not overly ambitious in terms of like trying to get a certain message across. It is, it is playing within the complexity of a situation with the right degree of nuance as required for the story it's trying to tell. Yeah, I think the term, uh, what did you just say about uh, overly obsessed with sort of getting a message across? I, I think there's some obsession about messages I just like, think like what, what did you think was preachy or messagey? Uh, well, it's sort of all the stuff we've said before, but the, it's counteracted by um, sort of, I think, painting everyone as their uh, like a bit of a villain, uh, which I kind of enjoy. And and also the the act of. <sighs> so and again, this goes this goes even back to that. And I know we're getting in on about uh, we're over an hour at this point, uh, but this is what I do want to say about it. It's like. 
So the end of the movie happens, mm. right? Yeah. What was the What was the thing that like? Well, made this you is turn? it all. Yeah. It all sort of, um, and it didn't turn. I didn't dislike the film for it by any means. The imagination. Uh, so the end of the movie happens, and they mount uh, 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 the. They go to the slaughterhouse. And they're screaming for Okja, and she goes into the slaughterhouse. And they have they basically she's put into the machine where she gets shot in the head to then be dice to be meted up. Uh, and Tilda Swinton's sister uh, Henry. No, I don't even remember the character's yeah. name. Yeah, his her twin sister Helen. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Nancy, Lucy Nancy, and Nancy, Lucy and Nancy. Yeah. So Nancy's now in charge of the company because her publicity is right. yeah. uh, disgraced and blah, blah, blah. So they run up there and she's like, why is it still dead? Like we have a deadline to make. She gives this whole speech about we are a company. We are buyers and sellers. We sell things. Blah, 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 blah. And then the actual solution and how Misha it manages to save Okja is she has a golden pig that her grandfather had bought with all of the money that the corporation had given them to take care of Okja. Yeah. And he, she throws, she's like, here, I want to buy Okja and I want to go home. And then instantly after they check that it's gold, Nancy's like, oh, okay, great. Doing busy yeah. with you. All right. Awesome. And walks away. Yeah. And then Okja and, and Misha leave. And then there's a moment where more hyper intelligent, uh, meat buckets, basically, uh, more super pigs, uh, throw, sort of throw, get their, one of their like, like kids through the fence to save it. And Okja picks it up in its mouth to try to sneak it out. And they all go back and they live, uh, together on, uh, on the grandfather's farm. Now it's a happy ending for Okja, the little baby and Misha. And if you just look at it in that sort of way, like, yeah, it's a happy ending. And, and she was able to save her friend and like, it was really good. But you know what was able, you know, the, the machination that allowed her to save her friend? What's Capitalism. That? Yeah. And if you think about that, the, they, the, the bad guys still won. There's no damage to their status quo. The AFL or whatever the heck they were. <laughs> ALF. Didn't, ALF didn't do shit. And they just sort of like moved on. And now, so, so it's the argument of how much, how much do you need, how much good quote do you need to do for the good quote to matter? Hmm, and uh, this is interesting. It, I, it's it because, and I'll just, sorry, sorry I'll just wrap it up. And, and again, in no way did this ruin the film for me. It's just, yeah. it's very interesting that you can watch it and have a happy ending. If you're like, Oh, she saved Okja. That's great. Yeah. But then if you think about it in a real world context, and sort of in what actually happened to save Okja, there's a shit ton of suffering going on right off frame. And it's there's nothing that any of these characters can do about it. And uh, it's just uh, it's actually even though the best friends are together on a on a micro level, it's happy. But on a macro level, it is very sad. And I think there's something skilled in the director's sort of ability to do that and to have it work on both levels. If you want this movie to have a happy ending, it kind of does for you. And if you think about it deeper, you're going to have sort of a empire strikes back as kind of shit going on. Okay. Uh, it's, it's interesting. That's uh, that's not the thing that I thought would have upset you uh, or, or, you know, kind of just thrown you off a little bit. Um, it, and again, I, it didn't yeah. throw me off. It's just, it's a, it's a sad, it's a sad representation and a true one, which is why it's sad of life. Yeah. And I, and I, I, to me, that was the thing that kind of made the movie great. The thing that actually I didn't like work for me was Nancy's uh, accepting of the gold pig. I felt like the gold pig was kind of a, a slightly, 
slightly clunky. It was perfect. Um, it was I'd, so perfect because literally all Misha had to do from the beginning. Well, for, well actually, it wouldn't have been from the beginning because the sisters were different and there was different ideologies. But the ideology that Nancy was and that she was depicted in the entire movie was money, bottom line, corporate, whatever. Right. And right. the value of one super pig after the announcement and after they have a slaughterhouse full of them, that they're going to sell for pennies on the fucking uh, or for they're going to make profits off these things like like nothing. The value of one pig entirely she in her in Nancy's brain. She's like, this is the best deal ever. Why would I even fucking bother with this shit? Yeah, you own the pig. Congratulations. You just paid me 500 times its worth. Right. I guess it's the it's perfect. It's it, it works, but I think it kind of like it's slammed together very quickly in a way that I kind of didn't. I think that's the point. I, I honestly do, because it, the solution I, I can buy your your the solution of that. is yeah. capitalism. Yeah. And holy shit all this heart and like, I really want to try and me and my friends are trying to mm. save this shit. G- didn't fucking work. You know what did work money. Yeah. And that no, is, that is the most realistic and the most sad thing in this film. And it's, it's, it's and then I heartbreaking. Think, and I think the thing is, is that the film does acknowledge the thing that you said, which is that, that even though we have saved the day here, there is a, there is a, a ton of horror going on behind this. And, and that's the scene, that heartbreaking scene where the two other super bigs throw off their young, you know, to save it. It's like kind of almost, uh, it, it's like that scene in saving private Ryan with the parents throw their kids to yep. the soldiers. Uh, and then we we see all the all the super pigs kind of like wail in one uniform voice and we realize that they have identity personality and feeling at the end yeah. of the end of the movie you're not quite sure if Oakja can talk yeah well because th- there's a bunch of uh mini scenes where where Misha is whispering something into Oakja's ear right and then at the end of the movie Oakja leans in to Misha and like moves its <laughs> her mouth and in a way that mimics talking huh. in I, the I same did. way that that uh that Misha did it to to her the entire time. I, so, I thought I now I'll have to watch it again. So I I saw this movie two weeks ago, but it, I, it I thought I thought it was the I thought she repeated the whisper to Okja, like she she continues to whisper in Okja's ear. Oh no no! At the end of this film, Okja whispers in her ear, huh? In the same manner. Now you're not sure if she said anything. Yeah yeah, it might have just been like a yeah, but it um, didn't make that noise. It was the same no audio mouth movement. Yeah, so I'll, have, I'll it, have to watch it, that again. Hints at the fact that oh fuck, maybe she can talk. But but see, that's to me, uh, you know, like yeah, okay. So for me, the pig thing. I like I, I like the reasoning that you gave for it as in that money is the thing that solves this problem, not, you know, morality. Um, but it kind of felt a little clunkily delivered to me in my mind, you know, like like just her accepting the the gold in this sort of, in this heat of this moment. Um, I and think it makes total sense though. It, I, I accept Character, your, uh, I accept yeah. your rationalization of it. I, I felt it was a little clunky. Um, and, and Jake Gyllenhaal's performance was a little clunky. Sure. For I, me. I, I know. And I, I want to say the moment with the golden pig wasn't clunky. It mm-hmm. was clunky. It was utilitarian. It was industrial. It is exactly what Nancy is. Right. And that is why I think that's, it works. I completely buy that rationalization. I think that's a good way to read that, that scene. Um, but but you know again i think the the execution the overall um 
the overall sense that this film has of playing in a world where these issues are important. It's in much the same way that the host, you haven't seen the host yet, but the, the host deals with environmental uh, concerns sure. in a way that is not preachy, but is part of the fabric of that story. Right. Um, and I think, you know, and, and you know, even Snowpiercer is, you know, the part of the fabric of that story is the, is the environmental breakdown yeah. of the planet as we know it. Uh, but it doesn't, Oh my God, is this a prequel to <laughs> Snowpiercer? Is this the? What, do you think super pigs are the things that destroy the world? Well, I mean, I'm saying if the world's if they're worried about carbon footprint and everything, mm-hmm. what if it's already past that breaking point? Right. What if the global cooling, warming, or whatever the fuck happened? <laughs> if you can trace the line and from barking what dogs if, never bite all the way to yeah. Okja, and what if Tilda Swinton's character is just like the great, 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 great granddaughter of her character in Snowpiercer? It. I mean, sure. Oh shit. <laughs> I mean, blew every, this open. yeah, everything needs to be a cinematic universe. <laughs> it's the, Okja, it's a Snowpiercer cinematic universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I absolutely adore this film. I, uh, the argument that, that, uh, that cons has that, uh, that this is not a film worthy of the awards seems <laughs> silly to petty, me. Yep, seems petty, petty and, and s- bullshit. Um, and it seems like a strange conversation to get into, but it's a wonderful film. See it on the biggest screen as you can, because Bong Joon-ho, this film was also shot by Darius Kanji, who, who also, shot uh movies like seven um you know so it's just a it's a delicatessen the immigrant this this is sure. a, a beautiful I, looking film a beautiful sounding film i mm-hmm. love the score in this Very movie good. um it's everything you know like netflix has just given us what might be one of my favorite films of the year at that's this point. great uh yeah and, and, and it's a netflix original release and i agree i think um i well you know the things that i thought made it sort of falter away from sort of being a powerful message piece which it doesn't necessarily have to be in certain regards about like the meat industry is how intelligent Okja is and in the way it sort of becomes a little bit more of a humanistic character and I, all the things I laid out before but that didn't ruin it but, did, but did the, could you could you could you wave that away in the notion that she's a super pig of some kind she's a genetically modified super pig it's just there's a different argument between eating something mass market and torturing something with like a full set of personality and feelings and and whatever versus an, an animal and not that the animals are good in fact in a, in a way it doing that to a, a beast that doesn't have those sort of things <laughs> yeah, is far ex- worse yeah it doesn't excuse it uh so but what i'm saying is it just it takes it out of that realm of realism for me to make a complete one-to-one analogy now what i do think would work excellently because you can't for instance show a kid's forks over knives you can't show a kid like uh films that uh deal with this this uh animal abuse shit right you can't like show like a child uh a a documentary that shows slaughterhouses and shit because it would just scar them for life okay you could at at a certain age if you wanted to sort of start to breach the conversation about like where food comes from and that sort of thing like there is elements of this i'm not saying like young young but like this could be a nice midpoint to get those ideas across like your food comes from like meat comes from animals and i know we've told you this and we've talked about a little bit you know it's it's it, it could be like a, a bridging tool but it definitely doesn't get that job done completely right. i think I mean, the bottom line is everyone should see this you should see it uh on netflix and like you said the biggest screen possible but it is not going to be the kind of movie that like changes the way you deal or interact with the way you get your food Right, but I don't think it's trying to be. I think I don't think it's it, trying to be that film. It it's not due to the fact that every well, I don't know. It I think there's an underlying tone and or maybe we're just conditioned to to feel that films that deal with this topic are all trying to do that. That's possible. Uh, and again, I don't think this is a detriment to it saying that it's not going to change your mind about eating cage-free whatever or not no. cage-free whatever or GMOs or 
whatever. Uh, I just think uh, if you're if you're go if you've seen the trailer and you're going in looking for something like that, like oh my god, like oh you're gonna show it to a friend, like you're never gonna eat fucking steak again. Like that's not gonna be this movie. It's yeah, just go a watch, wonderful, but go watch Food Inc. Sure, if you want that? Um, you it's know? a wonderful film, and you should watch it and um and and fall how, in love, how crazy fall in is love it? with some super pigs how crazy is it i mean like in the spectrum of the summer movies we've done so far uh i know we don't like to do rankings that much but but how would you know like if this was playing in a movie theater right now where do you think you know would you highly recommend it to people to go see over you know like if they had one movie to see in the month uh no that would go well it depends on the person to be yeah. honest uh that's a hard question um uh, baby driver is phenomenal i think Bre- baby driver i think is a film that would would appeal to a larger audience than okja do i think it's a more effective poignant whatever film or did i enjoy it more or less i think that's sort of different spectrums mm-hmm. and if that. and depending on if uh people were marvel heads like me if it was one movie a month i'd say yeah you see spider-man you dummy uh <laughs> so it just all depends and that's a it's an unfair it's an unfair question and i just gave an unfair answer right no, no i just uh, i just i think it's amazing that netflix to this point has has gone into the place where it, it is you know like it's comparable it's, it's all com- it's comparable. all comparable that's the thing and i would for me personally uh i would say this is the film of the films we've reviewed uh you know uh like starting with wonder woman baby driver spider-man and then this i would say this this Great. is, the, this is and, the film, and I I would not fault you for that. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I don't think my list, mine would be the same. No, no. You can you can pick time. whichever you want, but it's a, what it's amazing to me is that is that the one that I picked is available on Netflix right now and most it's great you know that, watch it you all have accounts and if you uh, don't you're, this is weird and saying that martin scorsese Netflix. is just about to roll film on the biggest netflix movie ever the irishman so we're, we're getting into this you know the, this conversation about d- distribution is getting a little silly when the biggest movies on the planet may appear on a platform immediately it's gonna be great uh, we live yeah. in the future. This has been the only podcast about the film Okja. Uh, Shahir, when you're not falling in love with super pigs, where can <laughs> folks find you? Uh, you can find me fawning over animals on my website, www.shahirdowd.com. It's all uh, kitten gifts. Yeah, kitten gifts and uh, dog memes is what I do. Um, and uh, you can write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. We really appreciate all those letters, those requests that we get uh we really keep sending those in they really help us out did you guys like having sort of a mailbag episode in the beginning do you want us to sort of do like one an episode let us know write us in uh matt uh when you are contemplating the death of your 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 lovely black cat uh and how many ways you could cook and kill her uh where could people find you when i'm doing that i'm never doing that so you're not going to find me anywhere (laughs) you would kill your cat you would eat your cat you said that yeah, but only because she would eat me and only in similar situations. Like if I died and then she <laughs> ate me, I would have no problem. If she died and I was starving, I would eat her. Okay. So when you're not doing that. So literally be- <laughs> all every other time. So if it's not the apocalypse, you can find me at MatthewKroll.com. That's M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com. Uh, Emperor MSK on Twitter or Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z on Instagram for my life and works. And uh, yeah, guys, we will see you next week where we're going to record it when it's not 1 a.m. I bet you'll be 1 a.m. Shit. We'll talk to you then. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.